Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Bailey podcast for a very special episode unlike any other. Today, you will be getting your daily dose of mental well-being from two experts in the sports psychology field. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Jason Nevetsky and Coach Kelsey Gustafson from the Champion Mindset Group in Birmingham, Michigan. Dr. Nevetsky has been a sports and mindset psychologist for over 12 years and a school psychologist for 25 years. As an all-conference pitcher at the University of Detroit, he knows what it takes to compete at a high level. Dr. Nevetsky uses his firsthand experience to treat professional, collegiate, and youth athletes. I'm also joined by Coach Kelsey, a mental performance coach who played college volleyball at Albion College. Kelsey uses her expertise to advise individuals as well as teams with a focus on cohesion and leadership. I'm super excited to have our experts on today to discuss everything from performance anxiety to self-confidence. We have it all for you today. And without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to you both, and thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So I'm a huge fan of taking care of your mental health as you do with your physical health, and you both were collegiate athletes, so I'm sure you're really able to connect with your clients on a personal level. How does your athletic experience inform your practice? Want me to start, Kels? Yeah, hit it. Sure. So I got into this kind of work because I also needed it. I struggled uh, to perform my best uh, as a freshman pitcher in college at the Division One level, and didn't know what to do about it. And no one was really talking about sports psychology or the mental health of an athlete uh, back in the you know in the late '80s. And, and if they were, it wasn't real publicized like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started really researching it after talking to my coaches, read some books about it because there wasn't any internet or YouTube to look things up. And so I delved into better self-talk visualization, relaxation techniques, um, having a purpose, setting goals, you know, routines and things like that to take care of myself so I could have a clearer head and perform my best. And by going through it myself um, and helping my athletes understand that they're not alone in that and there are some strategies and tools and what they're feeling is very normal. And coupling that with the experiences that I've had helps them understand that, you know, if they work at it, things can be better. Mm -hmm. And Doctor, one of your main focuses in your practice is confidence and particularly mm-hmm. positive self-image. What trends mm-hmm. have you seen throughout your career with athletes regarding their confidence? Well, it's harder and harder to manage your confidence, I think, because today, when I didn't have to deal with is all the social media and pressure that's put on young athletes. And and Coach Kelsey's probably had a lot more experience feeling that than I did when I was playing, uh, just based on you know the generation she's in. Uh, but I see that the trends has to do more with difficult pressure that a lot of athletes are under because of the scrutiny and the visibility that they're all experiencing as well. So we have to work really hard with our athletes to help them understand that confidence is something that they can manage. Uh, There's some strategies and tools that they can use. Uh, We'll talk, I'm sure, more about the importance of managing things you can control versus what you can't and not worrying so much about what other people think because we can't control those things. So the trends I see are it's getting difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and confidence is such an abstract and difficult thing to achieve, especially when developing, you know, young athletes are trying to strike that confidence, but also a balance with confidence. So how do you help your clients to strike that balance and not become cocky per se? 
Well, we talk about that. There's a big difference between cocky and confidence, right? right? And cockiness is a false sense of who you are. And confidence is a true belief in your abilities. And so we just, we really work with our athletes to help them express what are they good at? And if they're not good at certain things, what's the plan to get better? Because we want to celebrate the successes that they do have and then set up a plan to work on things that need the most work deliberately. And once they do that, they feel a better sense of control, which gives them a lot more confidence. And it has nothing to do with being cocky. Right. And, and athletes need that confidence to achieve the goals that they set for themselves in their career. Coach Kelsey, I'm curious to learn more about your work with goal setting and how important that is for athletes. Yeah, I think, you know, Dr. Nevetsky put it the nail right on the head. I think that there is a lot to do with how athletes' confidence is swayed right now with the media. And we actually just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Nevetsky and I, and talking about how athletes are quite honestly living through everyone's like real life or like real life highlight reel on Instagram and things that coaches see. And, you know, you're never seeing if someone's struggling behind the scenes or you're never seeing how they talk to teammates or maybe how they talk to themselves or how they handle adversity, because there's constantly just the good, good, good being pushed on you. And that's not, it's not real life. So I think in order to keep that into perspective, um, my work with goal setting is specifically to do just that, to keep things, you know, realistic and achievable to maintain your confidence. I think there's a, you know, you can have a really, really high ceiling and maybe you're just not there yet. And you're going to, you're going to tell yourself that you're not as good, or maybe we can go in together and say, okay, well, what are you setting for yourself? Is that something you can get done within this season, within this week, within this year? And what are your steps to getting, getting to that goal? But let's make sure that it's not something you're setting yourself up for that mental turmoil and low confidence right off the bat. Definitely. And there's a lot of external pressure too. I love what you said about social media. There's that added layer of external pressure on athletes to show their highlights on social media and, oh, I'm having this brand deal or I'm having this success on the field. Can you define, you know, performance anxiety for us and how you address this with your clients? Yeah, it's a big topic. So yeah. any kind of anxiety, Bailey, is is an over-focus on things that are outside of our control. You know, anxiety is a real thing, but it's exacerbated by fear of the unknown, uncertainty, worrying about what other people say about us, our teammates, coaches, our future, the past. And all those things, if you really think about it and break them down, are outside of our circle of influence. And we hear so often the cliche, control the controllables, but it, it really is important. We can't brush that aside. All we can control is our preparation, our attitude, our effort, our response to things. Outside of that, there's not much we can do. And athletes have a choice. You can choose to focus on what you can't control. And the result of that is a terrible feeling of anxiety and pressure. Or you can start to accept the fact that you are going to have some of those thoughts. We're never going to eliminate them 100%. The best athletes, in my opinion, accept the fact that they're going to have some anxiety-provoking thoughts, but they want to notice them quick. And that's what I mean. Just notice them. Oh, I'm thinking about that. Not much I can do about that right now. And then let's replace that line of thinking with something more productive. What's the best decision right now? What's the best course of action in this moment? What can I control about this situation? And then let's actively participate in those particular things. So it's not about being positive or negative. Positive is certainly better than negative. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've all learned that we want to be, be a little bit more neutral in our thinking and just kind of focus on the things that we can control. 
And so that helps us kind of quell that idea of performance anxiety. Definitely. And I think that can also apply to life too, you know, if 100%. not seeing the big picture and realizing what's in your control versus what's what's out of your control. I see a constant parallels between sports and life and mental health. And I mean, the, the comparisons can, are undeniable. Um, and I know we recently saw a huge moment in sports with Brett Maher, the kicker for the Cowboys, missing four straight extra points in a game which has never happened in NFL history. We've heard a lot of, of notions about the yips um, or mental blockage, for example, that can come with performance anxiety. How does an athlete get out of a cycle like that? Manjai, Kelsey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. <laughs> throw me right in there. I'm ready. Um, you know, the yips are definitely um, becoming more common knowledge, I think, to professionals and athletes and um, just regular everyday people. I think it's a, a common term these days of that, that sudden loss of that technical skill that you have due to maybe some sort of influence to stress. Um, I know people and Dr. Vesky probably heard this too, but I've in school heard it called like a, like kind of like a brain glitch. Like, you know what you're doing, you're used to doing it all the time. It's pretty run of the mill. And then there's something that's influencing you to have that kind of like glitch out in the middle of the moment. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's definitely, definitely something that, um, you know, could have been seen in Brett Mayer. I don't, you know, I don't know specifically, but it definitely looked like it. Um, there's, there's things that influence like the stress of the kick and, you know, the, the sudden spike of like, oh, it's all on the line. And some of that has to do with maybe a, a thought process I like to talk about with athletes. It's kind of like paralysis by analysis. Um, you have a lot of time to overthink a lot of things and specifically kickers who are on the sideline. You're watching, you're watching the entire game unfold and someone that's just new to football and trying to understand most of it. I mean, I didn't know it really came down to the kick as much as it can. And so they spend most of their game just, you know, they, it's them and they're, they're a really influential part. You can win by one point and sometimes that's on the kicker. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of time for that kind of like overthinking and stressing yourself out about the what ifs and the, the negative side of the mindset, just like Dr. Novetsky just talked about. Yeah, I think Kelsey's right. And there's so much time to think between kicks. Uh, and it's very similar for baseball. I mean, you got a lot of time between at-bats. Uh, sometimes as a pitcher, you got a lot of time between innings to overthink things. And what a lot of people don't, maybe some people remember if they watch the game closely, is that the kicker had also missed a field goal the game prior. Mm -hmm. And so he was also probably wondering that whole week, how am I going to do on the pressure situation again? And I'm sure in practice all week, he made a bazillion kicks, but pressure is a real thing. And when pressure is there, we know from research that your brain, your amygdala overproduces various neurochemicals and those neurochemicals decrease blood flow and oxygen in our system. And when you don't have enough blood flow and oxygen, your muscles tighten and your brain freezes it up. And, and I'm guaranteeing that's what happened, you know, and we have to break that cycle. We have to work hard at it. Um, we have to have some routines and systems that get us back on the flow. We have to be kind to ourselves. And a lot of his teammates were kind to him as well. Some weren't, which didn't help, uh, but some were. And uh, thank goodness, you know, he finally ended up making one eventually uh, and maybe gets, gets over that hump. And hopefully it's just a small blip on the radar of a, of a good career. Uh, but but people go through these things. I mean, I see baseball players all the time that a catcher can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. A second baseman can't get to first base. A golfer can't take the putter back. 
uh, it happens. Uh, we know it's pressure related. It also can be trauma related. You know, if something bad happened in a clutch situation, they tend to remember that. We tend to remember more negativity than we do positive things. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have strategies to help athletes reverse that cycle, but uh, it's a real thing. It does happen. I think going off of that too, just quickly, I I think that there's a lot to be said in, in this circumstance, right? Like he's made a thousand kicks, you know, he's come in clutch and he's done great things, but with the way that media is in the mind, focusing so much on the negative, it's hard not to overthink when people are sitting there and that's the topic of the conversation the next day, right? Like we're talking about it right now. Like mm -hmm. he missed all these kicks, but at least he made the one. And, you know, a lot of athletes nowadays have to deal with the fact that that's the negative is constantly in your face. No one's talking about how great you did like three weeks ago in the middle of the season. They're all talking about the, the four field goals you missed this Sunday. So I think there's a lot to be said with society being <clears throat> more negative based too. And I think just to make it really simple, you know, you can kind of look at what was made famous by the, that show Ted Lasso was you got to have a memory of a goldfish mm -hmm. and can't control what happened in the past. You can learn from it, but we got to move on. Mm-hmm. Great. And I love that show. Great reference. But I, you, know, you both <laughs> yeah. mentioned the the strategies um, that you were talking about. What's maybe one strategy that you could walk us through um, that you would maybe help Brett with? You know, if, you, if let's say Brett comes in to the office and is saying, I need help, you know, what would you tell him? What's one strategy? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. So first and foremost, we want to be as proactive as possible, right? So we want to, we, I would teach Brett, you know, strategies about relaxation techniques, meditation, daily routines to help them stay grounded and clear-headed just in life in general, but also for the game. Obviously, we'd work on visualization tactics. We'd work on recovery techniques and things like that to help them bounce back and be resilient. Okay. And I know, you know, maybe with, with athletes, when they don't perform as well or when they're feel, feeling that pressure, they compare themselves to teammates. And as athletes, you know, we're all athletes here. We know we're team players, but we have an innate sense of of competition, right? And sometimes that comes out when competing for a starting position. What advice do you give players battling for that that starting position? What do we always say, Kelsey? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know I think there's a huge difference between competing and comparing. Um, you know, there's that compete first compare. You want to compete with teammates in a way. You know, I I view it as like. Iron sharpening iron. Teammates are there to make you better and to pull the best self out of you all the time. It's when we start to fall into that mindset of it's no longer competing with your teammate on a healthy level. It's comparing maybe what you don't have in your mind to what they do have in, in your mind and getting into that, that low confidence area um, and really just decreasing your confidence in your own abilities. But increasing the level of pressure you might feel and increasing that stress by comparing yourself to someone else. So um, yeah, there's a really fine line and a healthy balance for sure with competing and comparing. Yeah. To add on to that, Bailey, um, my line to a lot of athletes when this comes up is look, every time you compare yourself to somebody else, you can't win that game. Mm -hmm. Your mind's automatically going to go to something that they have, or they do better than you. You're always going to find that. It's like the grass is always greener scenario. Right. And so the only person you need to compare yourself to is you. Are you better than you were yesterday? Are you making growth? If you're making growth, if you're getting 1% better each time you go out there or every day or every week, that's all that matters because you can't control what the other athlete is doing. They're working hard too. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's kind of pointless to compare yourself. Certainly it's okay to observe and learn from others. Like, Hey, this person's doing this really well. Is there anything I can garner from that? 
right. and I'm going to incorporate that, but I can't be them. And you shouldn't want to be them. You got to be yourself and you just get better and better every day. And that's to me, all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that is building a relationship with yourself and that inner self-confidence and that inner self-image. And a huge part of that, I know I read on your website that visualizing gameplay or mindfulness is a huge part of the mental routines that you both talk about. So I was wondering how important are mental routines for athletes? I mean, I, I believe that they're super important. I'd love to hear from the experts. Okay. Well, I'll jump into this one because uh, it's very near and dear to my heart, the importance of not just physical routines before we play, but also the mental routines. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, the night before a competition, I believe you should have a routine the night before. You should have a little checklist, things that you can do to alleviate any stress or anxiety prior to going to sleep that night. If it's simple as stretching, checking your gear, making sure you know what time you're leaving, um, communicating with whoever's giving you a ride, getting your nutrition and your hydration set up. And then the pregame strategies, pregame routines. What do you do when you get to the field? What can you expect to see? What might you anticipate that could get in your way? or throw you off? How are you going to deal with these things? So if we can think about all these things ahead of time, even if they don't happen, we're already ahead of the game. We're just trying to decrease any potential stress or anxiety prior to playing. And then various sports have different routines that you can do prior to a play or a pitch or a shift or a point. And so we develop those with our athletes. So for example, like if you're a golfer, you know, prior to pulling the club out of the bag, What's the, you know, go through a process. I call it weld. And I got this from another golf pro. Wind, elevation, lie, distance. Basically just checking those things before you pull your club. And then you step behind the ball and you take a breath. You analyze the situation you're in. Focus on your target. Visualize the ball traveling through the air. Step up and address the ball and execute the shot that you just planned. Now, the beauty of having a simple routine like that is it blocks out all other thoughts because you can only occupy your focus on one thing at a time. It might as well be something productive and effective versus worrying about what not to do. Like don't go in the water, don't hit it in the trees, things like that. Get your focus on something that can keep you in that present moment as much as possible. So I'm a big believer in having routines. I'm always trying to help athletes develop them. I don't believe in cookie cutter routines. Everybody's different. Everybody performs and sees the world differently. So once we get to know our athletes, we'll say, okay, what might work for you? Here's an example, but let's just use that as a starting point. And let's say, is that too much for you? Is that too little for you? Is it too detailed? Because everybody's going to hunt differently. So we got to figure out what the best way for them is to be successful. Right. But, you know, there, you know, there are some athletes like Rafael Nadal, for example, he has a routine before every single serve. And I know mm-hmm. a tennis coach of mine said, you know, bounce the ball the same number of times before you serve to establish that routine. But when do these routines cross the line to being like excessive or superstitious or like a obsessive compulsive um, that you oh think God. that you have to do before you play? I actually, I have experience working with an athlete that's doing exactly what, what you're talking about. And I think it comes back to that thing that athletes kind of brush over is the confidence, right? Like your routine is there for your mindset and for you to, to have a, a good shot at about, about what you're about to do and to relieve some of that external stress. But if you're putting so much faith into the amount of times you check a mark or the amount of times you bounce a ball and that's that's what's driving you to feel like you are going to successfully complete a skill. Mm-hmm. You're not actually doing the number one thing, which is believing in yourself. You're not 
you're not having that confidence, that belief in your own abilities that like, no matter how many times I bounce this ball, I'm still going to be able to execute the skill. And I think, you know, routines are awesome. And I also agree with Dr. Nvetsky. It's something we use a lot. I, Dr. Nvetsky was my mentor throughout like grad school. So this is, I, I learned a lot of my stuff through him and routines are awesome. Um, but I think going back that one step and making sure that the athlete really fully feels confident and believes in their athletic ability is, is the make or break for a routine. So I don't know if that kind of. Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 Kelsey's exactly right. And the routine is there is just a way to reset. Mm -hmm. It's no magic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't predict anything. Right. It helps the athlete know that, Hey, after every point, I go right back to the starting line. Mm -hmm. I always know my routine is there, whether things are going well or they're not. I always go back to the routine to like feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but it does not predict or guarantee any success. Right. Um, sometimes if the athlete has that type of personality though, that gets overly superstitious, you know, based on the rituals, then I would avoid any kind of routine that says you have to do it so many times. Okay. Right. So when you add numbers, like, oh, you got to bounce the ball three times every time. Well, then you're, you're about to then throw up your toss for your serve. Like, well, did I do it two times or did I do it three times? And now you're distracted by something that was supposed to help you. Right. So that's why, again, I'm, I'm not a fan of books or articles that say five steps to this, three steps to that, because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And again, if you have a superstitious mentality, then I'm not going to set you up for failure by giving you more superstitious things to worry about. That would be right. crazy. So that's why it's important to get to know your client and to build rapport and build some trust because then we know which way to go with various strategies. It's not a one size fits all here. And that, that bothers me sometimes when, you know, uh, I get interviewed or I get asked questions about, well, you know, what's the strategy for that? Well, I need more context than that, right? You know, I need to know the person we're talking about here. There's no one size fits all. I love that because I think oftentimes, even with, with coaching, people think, you know, this, this way of coaching works and this is right. how we're going to have to coach our athletes. But I guess, you know, my last question for you both is what advice can you give coaches regarding watching out for their athletes and their mental well-being? Because, you know, mm -hmm. you, you all are essentially coaches and coaching, you know, mental coaches for the athletes, mm -hmm. but what can the coaches do who are with their athletes every single day? Wow. That's a big question. Um, question. Yeah. It's, I, I just, I, I just want to say that I wish coaches would take this approach more, right? Is, is taking time to coach the person, not just the player. Okay. And, and getting to know your young people really well. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them and talk to them every day or text them all the time, but get to know them. You know, I mean, people are going to play for you harder when they know you, right? They're going to play more for you, not just for themselves or the team. I mean, they, they want to play as hard as they can, but they're going to do more of that if there's a relationship. Yeah, I think there's a huge part to um, emotional intelligence that athletes or that coaches, I think, should tap into maybe a little bit more. I just had a phone call earlier today and, you know, this guy was like, it's so different coaching boys than it is girls. And I was like, I mean, knowing that, you know, know your audience. I had my coach in college for, for volleyball. We took um, like a personality test. I know that's kind of extreme, but it was just kind of a team bonding moment. And my coach 
separated us into maybe some people who are a little bit more dominant on the team that she can come up to and say like, Hey, you know what, like get it together mm -hmm. or someone she needs to approach in a little bit of a, you know, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what we need to work on more of a, a conversation. I think that's huge. And exactly what Dr. Novetsky said, athletes are people. They're not, they're not someone there that's going to, you know, they're not a machine that's there to overproduce for your, your school or your program. Like they're people. And this is an experience that a lot of athletes, especially like people that go to play college, this is yeah. something they're looking forward to. And, um, you know, I think we're seeing a lot more of that, that ugly side with the mental health and how many athletes quit in college because their coach doesn't care about them. Um, yeah, there, I have a huge spot in my heart for that. They athletes are people athletes are human and no matter what level you're at you're not there just to produce for your program your company your school it doesn't matter it's well-being first right athletes aren't machines meant to you know yeah. wear the jersey and represent the school well they're actually people with souls and hearts I um I played field hockey and tennis at the school that I transferred from and it was a totally different coaching style for the field hockey team and being on a more team dominant sport than the tennis, which is more of an individual sport. And you can definitely tell how the coaching experience shapes how the athletes perform and how they interact with each other and themselves. So I really appreciate what you both said about that. And I love the personality test because that's so true. <laughs> there are some dominant, play, you know, dominant personalities and some, you know, maybe shyer personalities. And you're right. You, you change the way that you address. It's like a code switching for coaches based on who, who they're coaching. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both so much for coming on today. I'm really happy I got to talk to you both. And I think this is, was a really insightful conversation. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it. So thank you. Thanks for having us. That was great. Thanks so much. All right, that wraps up this episode of The Daily Bailey. This was such an important conversation about mindfulness and sport, and I hope you all learned something from Dr. Novetsky and Coach Kelsey today. If you want to seek counseling and coaching from the Champion Mindset Group, they offer virtual opportunities, and you can head to their website, champmindset.com, for more information. Now, I got to head out and prepare the menu for Super Bowl Sunday. I want you guys to DM me on Instagram who you think is going to win the Super Bowl, also known as the Kelsey Bowl, this year. We have some very exciting guests coming up. So follow me on Instagram at Bailey underscore Pretty, that's P-R-E-T-E, and at the Daily Bailey Podcast for all of the updates. Mm -hmm.